0: I greet you all in the very blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now before we go further, let us turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we bow before you, giving you thanks for safe travels to thy house. We thank you above all, Lord, for this immense privilege to be found in thy presence, to seek thy face in the place of prayer. And Father, we come first and foremost, asking again for thorough cleansing and washing of all our sins. Lord, as far as the east is from the west, remove thou our sins from us, for they are great, there are many. O Father, be merciful. And Father, we also want to ask that you um, be with us tonight as we continue to study this Beatitude series. Lord, may your Holy Spirit Lord, visit us in a mighty way to convict us, move us, O Lord, that we may truly have such spirit that is needed. And Lord, we also pray that you remove every distraction and tiredness of the body lord help our hearts and mind to focus upon you we also pray for many who are unwell in the body after the camp lord we thank you for keeping us all healthy till after the camp that we, we may truly realize that health is from thee and lord may they be able to live stream and learn together with us and also pray wherever they are we ask and pray for all this in jesus name amen Now, we've studied what this spirit is about, this beatitude of mourning. Mourning. Now, it is not just feeling bad, feeling sorry somewhat in our heart, having some regret in our heart about our sins. This word is one of the strongest in the New Testament used to describe, well, um, such um, remorse, such sadness, such... um, 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 a distress, that it is crying out like someone at a funeral, right? So there's wailing and weeping. It doesn't mean that it is all outward. It can be just within your heart, something that is uncontrollable. So when we think of our sins and our sinfulness, please remember this is not just about particular sins. It's, yes, particular sins, our sins, but it's also about our sinfulness. The Christian must learn we often just moan over, well, our besetting sins. Well, if we do moan at all. But we must also realize that in the Bible, it talks about mourning mourning over our sinfulness. That after salvation, like the Apostle Paul, he sends and he knows the wretchedness of his flesh that is still with him, that causes him to do that which he does not want to do. Right? That wretchedness. So, that is this mourning. All right? Mourning. Mourning. And... Now, after that, we also learn what this comfort is about. What this comfort is about. It is a very different word from what we would imagine. We would think that, well, when we um, mourn over our sins, well, God will comfort us, means he will well, tell us you're forgiven and then um, 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 restore joy to us. And then we feel um, very um, um, forgiven and feel good. Well, sure, he includes that but that word this word here is parakaleo all right typically used for translated as exhort exhort so what is this comforting when a true christian have genuine remorse over sin god says he comes alongside you all right yes to grant forgiveness yes to restore the joy of um, sins forgiven yes all that but there is a greater another aspect that is about Exhortation. He will instruct you, teach you, correct you, rebuke you even. Now, so that exhortation part is where the comfort is, where the blessedness is. Because a true mourning, a true mourning, alright, leads to someone who wants to get out of this sin. In other words, he wants to repent. It's not just, oh, I feel so frustrated, um, I feel so sick of myself. That was Judas. Alright? It led him to suicide. But this mourning. Is one that is someone who is so deeply grieved of his sin, of sinning against God, disappointing God, grieving God. He wants to, he wants to um, do better. He doesn't want to continue in that. So he will embrace. He will embrace the instruction. He will embrace the correction. He wants to repent. And there is always the greatest comfort for a Christian to walk in repentance. Alright, so it's not forgiven and then we just go on with um, to be happy, go lucky. So we must understand this clearly. Because just feeling bad about our sins, even to weep over our sins, well, doesn't mean, doesn't mean there is blessedness. Doesn't mean there is comfort because we do not intend to repent. We just want God to forgive us. That is all. We just want God to take away the consequences. That is all. There is no true Biblical mourning, all right? It is just wanting to escape um, the, the chastisement of God. That is all. So this mourning is one that leads to the action of repentance. That is why there is a blessedness. There is a comfort that is none, like none other. All right? So please understand the, what it means. So dear friends, I ask you this, and I ask you every week since we started on this, have you, have you moaned, have you mourned over your sins since we started this particular beatitude? Or is it still, Lord, I do not want to repent of it. I'll just ignore it. i wave it away. You bring messages to me. You bring uh, my quiet time to convict me. You bring people to correct me again and again, but I'm just going to wave it away and ignore and continue in the same way of living, of speaking, of thinking, of acting. I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah, I feel bad, that is not good. Sometimes you counsel people, right? And they say, Yeah, 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 I know that's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know that's yeah, 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 that's not good. Yeah, I acknowledge that's not good. But there's no change. The the yes I know that is not good is not morning, morning at all. Alright, so now, now we come to this to this question. He said, I, I want to mourn over my sins. And we've learned about how to mourn over our sins, what it takes, right? Um, but now, why? Why is it that I still don't have that mourning? Right? I've been trying. Why? Right? So tonight, the message title is about hindrances. Hindrances, the hindrances to mourning. The hindrances to mourning. What are some hindrances? Hopefully, as we look at, well, of course, there are many, as we consider some of the key ones, then we may find uh, the solution to our cold-heartedness, all right? Well, it's not in any particular order, but, well, the first one, the first one, I believe, is one of the greatest hindrances is our unwillingness to let go of our pet sins, our holding on holding on to our besetting sins now why do i say that how can you mourn over sin how can you mourn over your sinfulness if you still love sin it's as simple as that there that will never be genuine mourning now we studied in the church camp god says if we regard iniquity in our heart, he will not hear us. And we realize that the iniquity, that regard iniquity is not simply, well, I, well, I know this sin, I know that sin is in my life, then we, I, I'm not, I, I, don't, um, I didn't commit it this week. So God should hear me this week. It is not that. A man who does not regard iniquity in his heart is a man who says, as long as it is sin. God did not say, I um, uh, regard his, his besetting sin, but iniquity, any sin, as long as it is considered sin, whatever it is, I don't want it. I will not regard it. I will not let it be part of my life. Now, it's that kind of heart that is totally given to God and against sin. In other words, it's full consecration. A man that is totally consecrated to God, he is not interested in sin. There is a difference between uh, we will still fall into sin then and a person who still regards sin, who still love certain sin, who still hold on to certain sin. That's a very big difference. So now, as long as there's no full consecration, in other words, as long as that besetting sin, that pet sin is something that you still hold on to, whatever it is, it can be an idol of a person, of a thing, of a, whatever it is, pursuit, whatever is that sin, uh, secret or even, um, well, your parents, you yourself know about it, as long as you hold on to it, you can forget about ever mourning over your sin. You don't, you don't weep and be remorseful and hate and abhor something when you love it. So that is the first thing I think we need to deal with. Now in here, there is this problem. We often feel or we think, well, I will, I will deal with it. Lord, I will deal with it one day. Lord, I will um, repent of it one day. When the, when the time comes, when, um, when, when I'm more ready, I will deal with it. It could be something at home. It could be um, something that you're pursuing. It can be whatever it is. Lord, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the father, the mother that I should be. Lord, I'm not the single that I should be. But later on, later on, when, when this phase of life is over, when I've done this, accomplished this, Lord, then I will take my sins seriously. I will deal with them. Well, that is, that is basically delaying, delaying. Now, As long as you don't deal with it, will get worse and worse you won't you won't mourn anymore eventually you will just know it's there and that's it you accept it as part of your life now do you know the difference between procrastination and laziness procrastination and laziness don't soothe your conscience by saying well I'm, I'm just lazy but I'll deal with it one day procrastination is this it's typically you don't like something. You don't like to do something. And hence, you delay in doing it. Lazy is you don't mind doing it, but you're just plain lazy. That is all. Procrastination is you, you don't like to deal with something. You don't like to confront something. So you procrastinate. Christian, I hope you understand. The Christian life is on a slippery slope. It's a constant struggle, all right? to climb upwards for growth. There is no such thing as stagnant. The moment you think you're stagnant, you say, my Christian life is stagnant. You have to know you're not stagnant. You are already backsliding. That is what it is. As long as you think, well, I will deal with it um, soon. I will make changes soon. That sin, whatever it is, is going to grow stronger and stronger and stronger in your life. You, your desire for it, your love for it, is just going to get stronger. So I think that is likely the most, one of the greatest hindrances. We are still holding on to something. We have not fully consecrated ourselves to the Lord to say, Lord, I live for you. If to deal with this sin... Then I have to give up, give this up. I have to change this. I have to make major changes in my life. But not because I'm fully consecrated to you, in other words, I'm fully. My life is fully to be lived for you. You won't, you won't mourn over your sins. Is there are things that you still hold on to? Now remember in Job, in Job, in Job, there is the scene of Satan going to God. And then God says, Well, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth, in the earth. A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and that cheweth evil. Now then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? So Satan's answer to God, Job fear you. It means Job reverence you. Job loves you. All right? Job is, is consecrated to you. That's why he, he loves, he fears you. All right? Does Job fear you for naught? He fears you for nothing? There is a reason, Satan said. Now then, Satan said said to God, Has has not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and the substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Now, here is a challenge of Satan to God, but will God um, be magnified, glorified, or will God be disappointed, um, put to shame? Will God be um, grieved, embarrassed? Will he? You say, why do I bring this up, Christians, when we continue in our sins? Please understand this scene like we studied in the prayer meeting. We battle against spiritual forces. They are real. And the Bible tells us Satan goes before God to accuse us. Before him, the revelation tells us he accused the brethren day and night before God. Now he's doing that. Now Satan will tell God, you think, we'll put your name there. You think Joseph loves you, fear you and don't sin because, because, because of um, Nothing. Now, what is Satan really challenging God? They don't love you. They don't love you. They love their lives. They love the blessings from you. That is why they obey you. That is why they don't sin. Now, his real challenge is this Satan loves my world, Satan loves me, Satan loves what I have to offer. If I offer the same thing, they will come to me. They won't turn away from their sin. His real challenge is, God, I will prove you wrong. You will will see. You will be embarrassed. You will be ashamed. You will be disappointed. That is what it is. Now, how is it related to um, hindrances to mourning? Remember, this mourning is the result of you knowing that you have grieved God. You knowing that you have disappointed God, you knowing that you have failed God, you knowing that you have well broken your promises to God again, you knowing that you have well just shamed God in turning to sin. That is what it is. If you mourn or if you mourn, all right, if you mourn because of consequences, if you mourn because of avoiding chastisements. That is not what the Bible is talking about here. Because at the end of the day, Satan is right. If you you mourn because of those things, it's simply because of you. That is all. You grieve because you have put God to shame. You grieve because... God is grieved. And that is why you mourn. Nothing else. We studied about David's life. When he came to confess his sin. Yes, he prayed for his child to be restored. If it's God's will, God did not. There was no 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 grieving after that. When the child passed away, he just refreshed himself and he went on. His main mourning was that he wanted to, his fellowship with God to be restored, to be reconciled with God. That is his desire. So Christian, ultimately, whenever we still carry on, is there still besetting sins in your life, secret sins, pet sins that you, just say, "Ah, never mind, just ignore it, I'll just hang on to it. But uh, whatever it is, are there those there? We studied about even simple things like pride, rebellion, right? disobedience to parents to authorities these are simple things very prevalent in our age now whatever it is whenever you sin and go ahead with it you just imagine the scene that before you fell into that again and again or when you're still holding it just think of the very scene that satan goes to god and says and accuses you before god you see so and so doesn't love you And then he comes and tempts you. And then you go ahead with this and you say, you, with your speech, with your thoughts, with your actions, you do it again and again. Now, that is when you consider that and you say, Lord, how can I? How can I grieve you like that? How can I disappoint you like that? Then you will mourn. Then you will mourn. Now, please remember i said again and again this morning is about grieving disappointing failing god if that doesn't matter to you you will never mourn over your sins you will continue to hang on to your sin because it is about you you love it it satisfies you you can be what you want to be and you carry on in it you will never never mourn never mourn you may say that you feel bad you may you may say that, ah, should I should have done, not done that. Ah, I should be better. Ah, I should stop doing this. But it's all fake. There is no mourning at all. So that's the first one I believe we need to really search our hearts about. Now, the second one now our failure to confess sin in the Spirit. Our failure to confess sin in the Spirit. We studied what is praying in the Spirit. In the church camp, praying in the Spirit, the Spirit reveals God's will to us and um, helps us to pray according to His will. We often think that will means, well, to take this job or not to take that job, that kind of thing. It's the preceptive will as well. As we pray, the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. And the Bible talks about groanings that cannot be uttered. All right? A Christian who is mourning, just like you see someone mourning at a funeral. They are, lost. they are at the loss of words. They are just incoherent and just crying and making crying sounds, that's all. Because they can't even express themselves. They don't even know how to pray, what to pray about this sin, how to get out of it. Now, God says when the Holy Spirit begins to show you His will, His perceptive will, Now, the only thing that will cause us to truly mourn is we want to give up that sin. Now, As long as you don't to submit, to what God has shown you, His will. Whether it's a character problem, whether it is something in your life, whether it's an idol, whatever it is, as long as you don't want to submit to God's will, you can keep confessing your sin on your knees for hours. There is no confession in the Spirit. Because pray pray in the Spirit, praying always, praying all prayers in the Spirit, one of the prayers is confession. Please remember that. We studied the different kinds of prayers. One of it is the prayer of confession. As long as your confession is not all prayers in the spirit, there is no mourning. You are just rattling off your sins to God. You are just listing your sins to God. That is all. There is no remorse. There is no desire to change, to get out of it. You just say and you name your sins. That is all a failure to confess in the Spirit. In other words, a failure to truly acknowledge to God. Now, I want to make sure that we remember this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, blessed are they that mourn. Right? Blessed are they that mourn. Don't have the wrong idea that it is it is about having thoughts, that's all. I, I, I My thoughts are... Uh, morning thoughts, alright? My thoughts about myself, I acknowledge that I'm sinful, I acknowledge that these sins are still in my life, I acknowledge these things, alright? Then you go about feeling very lousy about yourself. This is not the morning that the Bible talks about. This morning is about confession to God. The morning that is simply just feeling terrible about yourself is the morning that God talks about that the, the, that leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. This kind, of God, this kind of ungodly sorrow is just feeling bad about yourself. So it's not just about thoughts. What I'm trying to say is this. Now, one of the hindrances to this is we think it is just about, oh, I, I acknowledge I'm sinful, I acknowledge that I have not changed, I, I acknowledge I still have this um, um, bad spirit, I acknowledge I'm still um, covetous, whatever it is. I acknowledge I'm such a despicable person. It's not good enough this confession is you go to God and you confess it to God God I'm a despicable person name your sins we learned about how to how to how to moan name your sins list your sins specifically say or rather confess your sin to God do you know the meaning of confession the word confess in the bible is to say the same thing same thing that is what it is means God calls that sin you call that sin. God calls that filthy, you call that filthy. God calls that despicable, you call that despicable. You say the same thing as what God says about that. You don't rationalise. You don't just think about it in your heart. You break down before God. God, I am a failure of a father. God, I'm a failure as a single. I waste your time. I waste your energy, I waste your resources. God, I'm a failure as a teen. I go to school, I don't witness for you. All I care about is playing and be popular with people in school. I am an absolute failure to you, God. God, I'm an absolute failure as a Christian. I hate my brethren. I hold grudges. God, I'm an absolute failure. Now, you don't confess to God. You just know, I, I feel bad, I feel bad. You may even tell your friends. You may even at a prayer meeting tell the p- group in the prayer, oh, please pray for me to overcome this sin of whatever it is, a bad temper. You know, a bad temper in this world is almost glorified. You must be someone who is, who is aggressive. Otherwise, you won't succeed in this world. Sometimes we ask people, oh, pray pray that, you know, I don't be so, so uh, bad-tempered. We may feel a tinge of pride in us say what God said, that is a despicable sin. So we may even say all this. The question is this, my friend. You tell your friends. You may even admit to your spouse, your children, your children to parents. But have you gone to God to really confess your sin and naming it as it is? I think that is a, another in hindrance. We don't do that. Now, I was very encouraged by many elderly who say, well, pastors, you know, pastor, we, I, as I walk, as I go for my walk, I pray. That's a good thing, right? You don't let your mind wander. You don't waste the time. You're always constantly in prayer. That is very good. Please continue to do that. But the the prayer of confession of sin cannot be done in a walking prayer. Cannot be done there. You have to set apart time because this dawning of how sinful, how filthy you are, only comes when you are quiet before the Lord and you, and you reflect. You reflect on what you have said. You reflect on what your life has been since you were young. You reflect of the things you have thought about during the day. You reflect on the things you have said to someone else. You reflect upon how you acted. You reflect on your knees before God. Well, if you cannot knee, I I say knee, I'm saying a, a closet prayer before the Lord as a mother, as a father, as a teen, do you do that? It is not just, Lord, I've sinned against you and this and that while you're, while you're thinking about the sin. That is all. No, this is mourning. This is mourning. This is why we say there must be a closet prayer. Have you ever know that you're seriously and very, you're very regretful and you're deeply remorseful about what you did to someone? You feel really horrible about it. Maybe husband and wife, all right? Maybe husband, you committed adultery, all right? No, please don't do that. Huh? I'm just giving an example. You committed adultery. I'm talking about, it's, it's grievous, all right? You should mourn. You should mourn. And can you imagine, hey, wife, let's go for a walk. Then we'll walk. You know, I committed adultery. I'm really sorry about that. I hope you don't mind. I hope you forgive me. You don't do that, right? How can you mourn over sins? Through... Just this light-hearted um, prayer. Yes, you can do petitions. You can do supplications. You can do adoration, even, all right? But this is not one prayer that you can just do without really intentionally setting apart time. That is why very often the fasting um, and, and, and repenting in sackcloth, uh, repenting in sackcloth, right, means the, the coming to God to mourn over their sins is often Often accompanied with fasting to that point where the the normal things in life they lay aside. Now, then it comes to the next thing, all right? Um, You need to set apart time. You need to set apart time. Now, one of the, I think, the greatest, another greatest um, hindrance to a a life, a prayer that has mourning, and please note, mourning here is talking about turning to God, and especially in the place of prayer, is this, this hindrance, I think, is very common in our lives, is filling our days and our time with activities, filling our days and times with activities, Because in order to mourn over our sins, you have to reflect. You have to come before God in soul-searching. You have to stay before the presence of God and come to realise how holy He is and ponder Mm -hmm. upon how holy He is. And when you ponder upon how holy and how immense He is, and then you think you commit that sin, right in front of him which is why Joseph said how can I do this commit this sin because you know God is looking now these things cannot come unless you truly set time for it but we fill our lives with a lot of things when mothers when you have a bit more time what do you do let me bake a cake let me bake some um, cookies I'm not saying that they're sinful. But is that all you do whenever you have more time? That is what you what your mind draws to. Fathers, whenever you have some time, you call it time to kill. There's no such thing as time to kill. What do you do? Let me spend time on my hobby. Let me spend time on this and that. Young people, you know what it is. Social media typically, right? We fill our days and time with in fact, we try to, to, to nudge out this time where we have to kneel before the Lord and deal with our sins. We try to give ourselves reason why we don't have time for that. I hope that since you came back from camp, you have kept your resolution to the Lord to set apart time to have a habit of prayer I think this is a good place to start. Remember, it's either A-C-T or C-A-T, right? I think it's good to be a cat in the beginning because the more you mourn over your sins, the more you appreciate and love the place of prayer because that is where you get the most comfort. So I hope this change, this change will begin in us. If you say, look, I have not. Now, then it comes to the next, the next um, hindrance, and that is grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. You're sealed by the, with the Holy Spirit till you meet God, all right, till the day you die. It means He's always there. He's always there. Now, while it is a great comfort, but you must also realize it is a great um, a warning. That's why God says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by which you're sealed unto the day of redemption. He's always with you. Don't grieve Him. Now, when we fill our days and our time with activities and activities and activities, when we don't say, when we don't resolve in our heart, Lord, I have not moaned over I sin, my sin. Because I have such a little idea of how sinful I am and the sin that I've, I've been holding on to, how sinful it is. Being lazy as a father, being lazy as a, as a mother or a single how sinful that is. Lord, I need to set time. Maybe I should remove this, remove that. Remember what we learned? Remove something and spend time in confession in the Spirit. Lord, I need to do that. Then you get the moving of the Spirit. Maybe at camp, you felt that. The Holy Spirit moved in your heart. And you said, Lord, I want to make that change. Many of you testified. Have you grieved the Holy Spirit since you came back, since the moment your car entered your garage or your driveway? Have you already started to grieve the Holy Spirit? He has worked in you. He has spoken to you. He has given you understanding. He has convicted you. But what happened? the moment you get home? It's back to unpacking, doing, 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 doing again. Then the next day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, today is Tuesday, has there any, has there been any change? We grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, things can change very rapidly and you acknowledge that you know that. Why is it that we go for camp and then we are so moved and then we're so stirred and then at camp we prayed like we've never prayed before? We felt that closeness of God and we want to maintain that. And we are always afraid when i get back to perth that all changes do you know what happens do you know why it happens we grieve the holy spirit and he leaves us not say leave means we are not saved all right remember when david sinned he said take not thy holy spirit from me what was he talking about that fellowship of the holy spirit he wanted to be restored to that closeness that he remembered before he fell into sin we want, to, we want to maintain that closeness with God that we sense at camps after camps after camps. But the moment we come back to Perth, or worse for some of you at camp, you already want to erase the Holy Spirit's working in your life by doing things that, that is just about frivolity. You grieve the Holy Spirit. That goes away very easily. Maybe I give you this analogy. Now, we know that God is infinite means the holy spirit is infinite right means he he is he is so high so holy so glorious so way above us that he that we don't deserve his attention now you think of someone who is very important in this world very high up there all right everyone is nothing to him and then he comes to you and says no i want to help you all right i want to um, and he comes and he talks to you, explains to you, spends time with you, and says, now, now do this, all right? this. This is important. And then after that, well, when you're hearing him, well, you're very stirred. Then after that, you just, just ignore it. All right? As you go away, you still hear his voice. Please don't forget. You go away, you still hear his voice faintly in the distance. Don't forget to do that. Now, he's a very important person, and he has no need to spend time with you, to help you. And he does. But as you walk away, you walk away, you walk away, you just don't bother. Ah, Whatever. You just don't bother. You just don't want to do whatever it is. Imagine how this person feels. I took the time to do that in you, help you, talk to you, counsel you, give you... Very good ideas. And then when you leave my presence, you act like it's all just wind. Waste of time listening to this person. Now, there's a the meaning of grieving the Holy Spirit. We just don't realize that. God is infinite. God do not need to come and help you and I get closer to Him. We, God don't need our, our closeness. Right? We need Him. But God takes the time to come to camp, to visit you. To work in you, to explain to you, or in your quiet time, or in messages. God bothered to do that to us, for us. And then after that, we just go away. I don't want to do it. Either. Maybe later on, or don't want to think about this. Do you know how grievous it is? Do you know how insulting it is? You insult the Holy Spirit that way. Why is it that after that we just feel, hey, eh, I'm trying to get it back. I'm trying to get it back. I'm trying to get that, 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 that closeness to God that, that I experienced that point of my life or at camp or in, in my quiet time. Why don't I get it? Because you insulted Him. You grieved Him. That is what happens. It is a very, very, I would say it's a very sensitive situation, dear friends. Do you understand why God says, blessed are they that mourn? Because that, the person that is like that will always have the closeness of the the presence of God. He's always close to them that are, nigh to them that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. God is near to such people. We come back, we go back, we cram our days, or we go back to our normal routine again after He's spoken to us. It's as if He never spoke to us. We grieve Him. I think this word, we should now begin to understand one of the aspects is we insult Him. That's why His heart is, is grieved. That is what we have done. And then he withdraws. Now, please make sure you understand he's not withdrawing salvation. But that is why you feel, you feel it's the same old, same old again. You don't set apart time. You continue to cram your time and activities. You, you have some time. You pe- want to pick up the phone. Now you learn to put it down. You have time. Now you're going to do that. You learn to put it aside. Get up earlier. Sleep later, you know. You read the Psalms. Some of them, like David, I think it was David, he said, "I water my couch with tears through the night." Do we know of that? Maybe tonight, it's the night. But when the Holy Spirit moves us, convict us, say, ah, "I want to sleep a bit more." Well, a brother was just sharing. We came back from camp. Somehow, Saturday morning, early morning, couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep. He got up and prayed. And he found the presence of God. Spoke to him very clearly about something. Right? But we can, hey, Holy Spirit, leave me alone. Let me sleep a bit longer. I just came back from camp. Or, hey, Holy Spirit, leave me alone. You know, we we spent a few days at camp. Now I, I want to go shopping. I want to call my friends. I want to go out with my friends. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I was thankful for our family. They finished camp, and I said, "Oh, this, I found out they were taking a break." And the thing that they talk about is, "Yeah, you know, we want to have a family time of reflection, all right? But the moment camp is over, and worse for some of us, during camp itself, it's all about play, frivolity, cram our time with as many things that we want to do for ourselves for fun as possible. At the moment after camp, let's go for holiday because we're there, we spend the time driving there, let's go for holiday. And the holiday is one of just grieving the Holy Spirit. Do we wonder, do we, is, it wrong, is it right for us to wonder why we grow cold after camp? We do that, we, we do that because we, can't, we just go back to our own life as if the Holy Spirit wasted all his time working in us. That is what it is. Right? So I hope that you tie it up. We have to set up part-time. Have to. Now, of course, then it means um, all the, we have to reevaluate our entertainments, our hobbies. It's not to say that we should not have anything in our lives. Um, but, you know, I am beginning to wonder if I should correct myself. Because sometimes I say this because I feel that if I don't, you may think that pastor is extreme and cultish. You mean we cannot have hobbies? You mean we cannot have free time? You mean we cannot exercise? I think I begin to realize that I should not say that. The reality is this. This word moan as I mentioned during the first message or second message this word moan is typically used at funerals, funerals. And I mentioned at the time. Now at a funeral do you still think about your computer games? At your funeral do you think you think about your hobby your holidays your chit chat sessions you don't it's something that preoccupies you so much that even the things that are legitimate has no more interest for you sometimes i fear that churches paint a christian walk as you must have a balanced christian life all right if you give all your heart to bringing up godly seed. If you give all your heart to living um, the consecrated life as a single, if you give your all your heart, and so as an elderly, now it's 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 not balance, right? No, it's balance. And we must have some fun, and some people even guess like people, guess like you know, guess like. If if you're very serious about your Christian faith and what you love is always to talk about God, they guess like you, guess like you. I, yeah, always. Can we have some light-hearted conversations? Yes, you can. But the question is, what is in your heart? A person who moans doesn't mean a person is crying about the sin. A person who is so sensitive to his sinfulness, his unworthiness, and he talks about God with a tone, with a tinge of, of emotion that I just can't stop talking about Him, His goodness and His grace. I'm such a horrible person. I'm, what I'm trying to say is this. If you're truly someone who moans over his sin. It means you're aware of your sinfulness, your failures before God all the time. As a single, as a father, as a mother, as a teen. If you're aware of that, I don't think you're very interested in many things. You just want to draw close to God. You just want to get right with God. That is that is what will interest you. Child, young ones, all right, the young ones, when you know that daddy and mommy is angry at you, you come home from school, do you run to your hobbies? All you want is to run to daddy and mommy and f- do something and hope that, you know, they get it, that, y- that, you're, that you are sorry. Isn't that true? And then your friends say, hey, why are you such an um, 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 obedient child? You know, you must have some fun, you must have some balanced life. But in your heart, there is nothing except, I want daddy and mommy to forgive me. And after they have forgiven you, do you just run back to your room and play with your toys, with your, with your thing? Even those things are not very interesting to you anymore. You just want to be in your daddy and mommy's presence. Do things with them. Do you understand that? I'm sure you experience that. Same for adults. So this whole thing about, well, do I, should I keep saying, well, please, please, please don't think, well, I'm not saying that you cannot have hobbies and all that. But I begin to rethink about that. You look at the apostle's life, you look at Apostle Paul's life, all he wants is to spend every single minute and energy to run the Christian race. And he said this, exercise profiteth little. He didn't say you must have balanced life. He actually said these things, they have very little profit. Yes, I'm not, I'm not saying they are sinful, but a Christian who has his heart, his purpose, his desires right before God, there is no interest in these things. That is how it is. You read of many of these Christians, when they realise how much they have been forgiven, some may be famous athletes, some may be famous um, this and that, when they realise how much they have been forgiven and how sinful they are, they lose interest in everything in life except to please the Lord. Because they realize time is so short on earth. Only one life. has no time for these things anymore. I just want to please the Lord who saved me. That is all. So Christian, I think it leads to the next, the next hindrance. Um, where is it? Now, it leads to this next hindrance. Our distant fellowship with God. Our distant fellowship with God. We are not close to God. This is a great hindrance. Now, please remember this mourning again and again. Mourning is not you feel bad about the sin. Mourning is you feel remorseful, very, very remorseful about the fact that you have grieved God. Please know that. Please remember that. You have disappointed God. You have failed God. You have shamed God. Now, if you're not close to God, would you feel, you will feel grieved for grieving God? Now, you know me, I know you. Do you grieve as much when you offend me than you offend your loved ones? Which one grieves you more? Which one troubles you more? Of course, it's the, it's the one that you are closest to. Where you realize you're most indebted to, you feel, I am, how can I sin against this person, disappoint this person, fail this person? How can I? You see, when we are not close to God, maybe I should put it that way, your closeness to God is directly, pro- or your, your mourning for sin, your mourning for sin, your mourning for sins, and your sinfulness is directly proportional to your closeness with God. That is how it is. Which breaks your heart the most? Which makes you feel the most sorry? is when you hurt the one that is closest to your heart. Isn't it true? Now it goes back to the same thing. If you don't spend time in prayer with God, prayer is communion with God. Prayer is when, and please remember, when you adore God, all right, the adoration prayer, I hope you remember your adoration prayer is not just to um, well, lift his name and all that of course that your adoration prayer makes you see God more clearly that is why you must have adoration prayer you know we study in FEBC you, you study in FEBC course we God's glory is infinite we cannot add or mind or, or 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 reduce God's glory by by a single iota right you cannot increase or reduce God's glory Then why pray prayers of adoration? Why? Because no matter how much you say, it doesn't increase His glory. It's infinite. We learn prayer changes you. That is why God asks you to pray without ceasing. The more you pray adoration prayer, the more you will change in your view of God. And the more you spend time in adoration prayer, the more you spend time in thinking about who God is, the more you will realize how unworthy you are. And then the, more, the closer you'll be drawn to Him. And then the more you will mourn, mourn over your sins. That is how it works. So Christian, if you continue to want to be silly-go-lucky and just want to be busy, do this, do that, and think that uh, all these are just unnecessary um, to be so serious, well, you will never know. You will never know what it means to be close to God. I just mentioned the last two and last two or three and then we have to end. Avoiding church. Avoiding serious Christians. That is another hindrance. Sometimes I see certain Christians, they gravitate towards certain Christians. It's very interesting through different churches. You will see groups form and you can tell. I remember one one pastor preached you know you can tell the christian by the friends he has whether outside or inside church you we just gravitate birds of a feather flock together the world says that now when you avoid spiritual activities church bible studies your sensitivity to sin is going to reduce because you spend more time in things of the world, when your sensitivity to sin reduces, when your sensitivity to spiritual things reduces, you won't mourn over sins. You love sin. Even you see there is sin, you have very little sense of how terrible sin is. You avoid serious Christians because you know that whenever in the company they'll talk about spiritual things, the conversation goes there. Because that jars against your soul because you're not someone who wants to face these things you don't have a delight in these things that will cause you to go worse and worse and worse and worse parents isn't it true you know certain children in school or or relatives children they are of a certain feather what do you do you tell the children when you go there please be careful all right i don't want you to get close to them why Because you know it rubs off and then their sensitivity to sin will will decline will get worse and worse or sharing in a camp it's very sad to see that in churches very very sad church should be a place whenever we come to church whenever we have fellowship it should be a place that makes us more and more sensitive to the to the presence of God more and more sensitive to sin That is what it is. If not, you may as well spend time outside with your friends, with your colleagues, with your classmates, outside. May as well do that. Church is supposed to be a place that causes us to be drawing close to God, sensitive to Him, that when you go back after church, you just want to kneel before Him because you're drawn to Him. It's very sad in church that I've seen with my own eyes gatherings in, in houses, all right? Then you have the deacon's children playing computer games that are so they are demonic, and the TV is on with I don't know Frozen or something like that, Dis, Disney movies, witchcraft kind of things. And then you see another deacon who tries to keep the child away from all this all his life. Goes to the house and it's called Fellowship. And I watch. I was, I was very grieved in my heart and I was thinking, how would the Holy Spirit feel? You see, that's how we are. We hear, we listen, and after that, we just go back to our old life. And I see the deacon constantly trying to stand in front of the child to block the child from looking at the TV because it's the child has never seen that. What's that? And then when the child wants to look at what they're playing on the, on the, on the devices, He would keep drawing her attention to draw things on paper and try to help the child to sing hymns and all that because the songs were just going into her ears. Now what I'm trying to say is this. Unless you desire and unless you create the environment for yourself, if you are someone who wants to avoid it, you, you will not want that kind of things. Why do we not mourn over our sins? Because We are just frivolous, frivolous, that is all. Do you find being a serious Christian, do you find that a Christian who does not have hobbies, that does not have um, um, entertainment as a cult? Now, I'm beginning to wonder, when you feel that as a Christian, you must maintain certain hobbies, you must maintain certain, certain things in your life. Now, at the expense of I've hardly spent time mourning over my sins, I hardly do that. I hardly set apart time to pray and to draw close to God. And here am I talking about we must have balanced Christian life. I think it's, it's a very strange kind of Christian life. And the last one is this, listening to messages. God speaks to us, either through quiet time or through messages. How do you read the Bible? How do you take FEBC courses? What's your spirit in listening to sermons? What is the spirit? Is it always to find, let me see if that is right or wrong. Let me see if it tallies. Let me see if that data is correct. Let me see if... Now, I'm not saying that we are not careful in our listening. But if that is the spirit, you will not. The Holy Spirit will not work in you. Because messages, study of the Word of God is a spiritual study. Don't listen to it like I said in camp. Don't listen to sermons. Don't read the Bible like it's a lecture. Listen to someone and say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, convict me. Lord, show me my failures, my sins. Lord, show me how I've been a disappointment to you. Lord, show me how I've been stumbling others. Lord, show me how I've been failing my family, failing my, my brethren in church. Lord, show me. Why would you moan? Why would you mourn if you listen to sermons, mainly to evade all these things that could convict your heart? Christian, the grieving of the Holy Spirit is a, the drawing close and the Holy Spirit drawing close to us is a very difficult thing to attain because we often, we continue to regard iniquity in our heart. And I hope you take note of this. I know it's long. Drawing close to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit God drawing close to us is something that is very precious and very difficult to attain because He is holy. He is infinite. I'm not saying God is not gracious and He has no desire to draw close to us. But don't have for a moment think just because God desires to draw close to us, then He's just going to ignore whatever we do and still draw close to us. But when the Holy Spirit graciously draws close to you, you must treasure that and hold on to it. And after that, makes nothing in your, your life after that. On the ongoing, ongoing stage or things that you need to change. You keep saying, I want to change this, I want to change that. Do you know that it's so precious You what you felt? You share it with me. I, I didn't force you to say anything. When you have that, it's the Holy Spirit graciously drawing close to you. Then you make those changes. Don't insult him. Because the moment he says, you are not serious, he withdraws. I say again, why do you think David prayed? Lord, restore, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He withdraws until you learn, until you learn. Don't don't throw that away. Learn to mourn for your sins. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, O Lord, we bow before you. We have to ask ourselves, what have life been since we came back from camp? Lord, your Holy Spirit was graciously sent to meet many of us in our hearts through your word. But Lord, have we grieved him as we return back to Perth, As life returned back to the normal, we've not reprioritized, we've not reorganised, we've not removed anything. In fact, we have added things. Oh Lord, is it little wonder that we don't mourn mourn for our sins. Because we take all this so lightly, we are not serious. Lord, forgive us. Teach us to spend time, much time, in the place of prayer. For the more we see your glory, Lord, the more we realise how sinful we are, the more we will mourn over our sins. Lord, meet with us in the place of prayer. We plead with you and teach us to pray With supplication, earnestness for thy church, for thy kingdom, for thy people. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.